0: When the prophets were called together and Elijah was called together, it says this right here. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him. repaired the altar of the Lord did you hear what I said and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down verse 31 and Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the son, sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying Israel shall be your name Then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seeds of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood and said, Fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. then he said do it a second time and they did it a second time and he said do it a third time and they did it a third time so The water ran all the way around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word hear me O Lord hear me that this people may here's his motive that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again then the fire of the Lord fail and consume the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench now when all the people saw what had happened they fell on their faces and they said the Lord he is God the Lord he is God and Elijah said to them seize the prophets of Baal do not let One of them escaped. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. I want you to close your eyes if you can, and we're going to pray over this word this morning. Father, we desperately need you to open the eyes of our heart so we can see what thus saith the Lord, but our ears, Lord, so we can hear what you are saying, Father. And I know, O God, that you are able to do more than we even think we're about to see or hear or receive because you are God, and this is the most powerful thing we could ever hear is your words. So, God, I pray if there's any person that is on... The brink of being distracted, I call it out in Jesus' name and pray, Oh, Father, let people be in tune to your spirit and what you are saying. And God, let your praise go forth. I pray, Lord, that people, their hearts would be like fertile soil. And they would receive, Lord, what possibly could be the last message that I ever preach Are we all ever here? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Now, I want you to listen quickly this morning because you need to hear what God is saying. God is moving. God is going to move. And we are not mark down what I'm telling you. We will not leave this earth with the things of this earth Being heard more than the glory of God. We will not leave this earth with coronavirus, causes, marches, chaos, politics, governments, celebrations, economy. We will not leave this earth with those things getting more glory than God getting glory. It's going to happen and it's happening right now. And the people of God are the only people that can be dispensers of what God is and and vessels to receive what God is. Only the church, only the true remnant of God. And this is what the Lord is doing. There is no doubt in my mind that what has gone on, what is looking like four months now, is nothing more than a breeding ground for God to get His people together one last time, even though we are separated for God to be able to pour out His Spirit and bring down the fire of His Spirit and bring great and mighty revival one more time before the trumpet sounds and He takes His children home. There's no doubt in my mind. I have no problem saying that. And I want you to know today that God has always had a process and a plan and how this goes about. Doesn't it just happen? No, it does not. Elijah had to go by specific details, even though he was a mighty prophet, he still had to be led by God to receive what God was about to do for the land. And I told you the motive while we were reading was not for Elijah to have a big name and build a big church, but his motive was so that people and their hearts would be turned back to God and that God alone would be glorified. So there is a process that's laid out in this passage right here. And I'm going to give it to you right now. So I want you to write this down or take a picture with your phone of the screen. The first thing is that there was a priority that had to be in place. And we're going to put those on the screen for you now so you can write them down. There was a priority that had to be in place. In fact, the altar had to be repaired. And if you don't have them on the screen, I'm going to give them to you. So listen, I want you to write number one, and I want you to write the word priority down. I want you to write it. And then up under that, I want you to write the words repair the altar. And if you want to put a reference to what this is, this is referring back to verse 30, 31, and 32. And then along with this, the third line on number one, I want you to write first things first. I don't know if you have a way of going back to the lower thirds we had earlier. If we don't, that's okay. So the first one, I want you to make sure priority is on the first line. The second line is repair the altar. And let me tell you this while you're writing it down. Elijah knew that before we did anything before he worried about praying, he worried about a sacrifice, he knew that prayer had to be in place. Can I tell you this, that this time that God's people, if you're going to see what God's going to do in your life, and I'm telling you, God is about to explode Multitude's church and this ministry in a way that none of us have ever seen before, and it's not For our benefit or his benefit. So, listen. Elijah knew that the altar had to be repaired. He repaired the altar. A lot of you that are listening right now, the altar of your home, it's got to be repaired. The altar of your marriage. The altar of your relationship with classmates. The altar of where you work at. You've got to repair the altar again does no good to think, I pay my tithes, I go to church, I read my Bible. If you do not learn that priority number one is and always has been prayer, you've got to repair the altar. You've got to understand, in the morning, I've got to make a place. I remember we showed the movie War Room a couple of years ago, and you remember the movie. This lady, saint of God, had a room, a closet, where she called it her war room, where she went to battle on her knees, not on Facebook, not with her phone, but on her knees before her God. We've got to do this once again. You've got to make a place at home. You've got to have a time. You've got to have a schedule. You've got to repair the altar. See, life and demands, and just desires, have taken every bit of this away from you. See, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and most, if not almost all of us involved in this message today, we can identify with the altar's been torn down. Yeah, I pray when it gets bad. I pray occasionally. I pray when I need something, or I pray when it's Meal time or church time, but you haven't repaired the altars, brothers and sisters. We've got to pray. We've got to know that prayer is my priority. I pray before I make coffee. I pray before I get dressed. I pray before I turn the TV on or my phone or a computer or anything else. I have the altar has been repaired and it's put back in place. The second thing, number two, is preparation. He laid the wood in order. Verse 33 tells us what this means to you and I is that it requires discipline. We've got to not only have an altar that's built back and prioritized. Prayer is not only prioritized in my life and in my family, but in my job and everything else about me. I can't get off of that too soon. You've got to understand that I've got to prioritize prayer in every facet of my life. And then I've got to have a time of preparation where I lay the wood in order. I know that I have a place of prayer. I have an altar of prayer. But now I've got to prepare myself. You know, if you go back to the, the early tabernacle, there was an outer court, there was an inner court, and then there was steps where you went by and you washed and you took communion. You you ate, you did before you went into the most holy place. There has to be not only a place of prayer, an altar of prayer, but you have to prepare yourself. Listen, folks. You are about to approach the throne of a holy God. He said you could come boldly, and I understand that. I've already said that today. But you've got to know in your heart, I've got to prepare my mind. I can't be preoccupied that I can only pray two minutes because I've got to go to work or something's coming on or I've got to cut grass. I've got to prepare my mind before I get on my face before God. And that's missing. And it requires discipline. This is all in part number two of this step. Number three, the third thing I want you to write down is sacrifice in worship. The Bible says in verse 33 that after he repaired the altar, after he laid the wood in order, the next thing he did, the thing that cost him something, the bull, the little animal that he got to it was cut in pieces, and it was laid on the altar. It was laid on the wood. And as I've already stated, is when we do this, after we've established a place, and after we have prepared ourselves, when you come to worship God, it's going to have to cost you something. David said when I preached the other week, when he was at the threshing floor of Arana, he said, I will not take this from you free of charge, but I'm going to offer God something that I've got something invested into it. I'm not going to take it free. We live in a free society. We are free, entitled to death, and it is crept and taken over the church and the mentality of the church. You want me to prove it to you? When's the last time you've been to a worship service where everybody that was not physically handicapped in their Bible stood on their feet with their hands in glory to God? You know we're going to stop there for a minute. Worship. Well, I can sit down. No, you can't. No, you can't. You cannot do that. You cannot. You show me in the Bible where people watched and observed When the worship of God was going on. You can't show me it's not in there. And it's not going to be in here. I've told you that. And I can't tell you that enough. But when we come in here at 1030. If you're going to be a part of the worship service. You're going to have to come prepared. To worship God. So sacrifice. You're going to have to start cutting the lamb up and laying it, it's going to cost you something. It might cost you your pride, or it might cost you your religious spirit, or it might cost you your attitude. You don't have to do it. If you walk in this church for us to see the fire, the wind, and the rain, the cloud, it's going to cost us something. We all want God to Santa Claus for us at our beck and wish. We fold our arms and say, God, I need this. But we don't want to give God the glory Do His name. If you're going to sacrifice, Sacrifice and worship, it's going to cost you something. I don't like that. Well, then you don't like what God has in store for you then. You don't want to see those greater things that God has to do. I'm I, I'm an introvert. No, you are not. You are an excusevert That's what you are. You make excuses. People make excuses why they don't come to church all the time. People make excuses why they don't tithe. People make excuses why they don't worship. You're not an introvert. You let something happen. People, I say this a lot. Slight you on your check. You let somebody owe you some money. You let somebody do something to a child or a grandchild of yours or not fix your car right or not do, you paid them for a service, but they didn't do it. You give them $300 to do it, but you were expecting a $3,000 job. You can't, see, you can't have it all, but we want it all. You come out of the corner swinging. You're not an introvert. You're just not in the right environment. It matters what the context is of your situation you see. So you got to prepare yourself. You've got to know that this is for God. It's not for Opie. It's not for the church. It's not for the praise team. It's not even for me. I'm doing this as a sacrifice in worship. This is the third step this is why so many people never see the fire of God their whole Christian life, their whole walk. They never see it. They never see it in their lives. They never see it in their church. It's never apparent. It's a humdrum, predictable. They can tell you everything from the time they got saved until they died, what their life looked like. And it looked like a flat line. And you know what a flat line means if you're in a hospital, don't you? You're dead. That's what it means in church, in the spiritual realm. When your life is predictable to God and everybody else, you're just dead. It's a form of godliness. And see, why are you saying this today, Opie? I'm telling you because God is bringing the fire and the rain, but he's not going to do it just because you say, well, I want the rain so I can watch and see what miracle he does in somebody's life. So it's got to cost you something, folks. And you've got to figure that out. What if people don't come to church, Opie? I I don't know that I would have handled that like that. Well, let me tell you something where I am right now. I'm not here to please you or how you feel things ought to be done. I'm here to fulfill a job that God gave me and a calling on my life to be the shepherd of this church. I've failed this church many, many, many years because I've worried about you. But me and you are divorced as far as our feelings go. I don't care about people anymore. And I really hope I'm not talking to anybody. But I just want to let you know what side of the plate I'm swinging on. And I'm, I'm aiming for center field out in the parking lot because I know it's available. I'm not going to sit here, prepare people, plan, get here early, preach every day, and me just go through the motions because you don't understand what speaking in tongues is or you never raised hands at your church or you don't think God... Really expects you to do. I'm through with all that stuff, and you need to know that before you walk in here at 10:30. There's a nice foyer with a huge monitor that's got great speakers on it, and that's for the watchers. Not trying to intimidate, make you feel bad, but listen, I don't want a little touch from God. Do you understand me? Do y'all that's in here today now you can see me. Do you understand me? What I'm saying up top, guys. Anybody in the back or or wherever. Do you hear what I'm telling you today? I'm not here. I'm not here just to like, I'm not Mr. Rogers. I want to see who's going to be my neighbor. You're not my neighbor. You're my brother and sister in the Lord. We're on our way to glory together. And we've got to look like it, and we've got to act like it, and we've got to say, God, you still willing to do the fire thing? You're still willing to do the wind, the rain thing? Well, here, I'm willing to swallow my pride and be a true believer and a chaser of the presence of God for once before it's too late. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That wasn't on here, by the way, but the Lord had it scheduled. And there's still more to do. That's only three things that Elijah did. Are you writing? Are you writing? Number four, everybody that's here that's kind of checking it out because I know you might not be able to write. When you go home, I want all of you everywhere. You know I'm desperate. Are you wanting to see my my bald spot when I turn around? But I want everybody, I want you to go back where you can write this stuff down because this needs to be what goes in your prayer closet with you. You've got to have faith folks. that means Elijah for him he had so much faith that after all this was done he told him to pour water on the sacrifice so much three times and it was so much water let me paint a picture for you that the trench that went around it not only wet the whole sacrifice, the wood, but it filled up the trench and even was running over the trench that was, that was dug out around the altar that he had made. This means what the Bible says. Are you ready for this? It means faith without works is really dead. I, that's straight out of this Bible right here. See, a lot of people, we, we'll we build the altar, won't we? Because uh, we're convicted about prayer. We, we we believe enough of God, and we know we're going to need him sometime. I mean, we're going to need him sometime. So we'll do the altar thing. You know, we'll even say, well, I, I'm i going to cut my phone off while I pray. I, I'm just going to really focus on asking God to meet this need or take care of this area. And we'll do moderate preparation. We'll do that because we understand that we don't need distractions. Now, now we'll even, you know, you know, people say it, and I don't like the way I'm going to get my worship on. I know you don't get it on. It's supposed to be in you, and it comes out of you, you know, and I want you to know that people are convicted and because I, I remember when I went to the church I went to in Charlotte, you know, I was in a set-down environment my whole 18 years. Not everybody, but people didn't understand really what was going on. The pulse of the service a lot of times went by the beat of the song. If it was a fast song, we had what w- the children would call a good service because there wasn't no preaching. If... It was a slow song. We all just sang, and that was it, and that was it. Literally, that was it. But I remember the first two or three weeks, I went to this large church in Charlotte that I thought I was just visiting because I didn't have time to go nowhere else, and it wound up being my home church while I was in school. And I just thought, it's business as usual, you know. I'm going to come in here, I don't know these songs. <laughs> you said that, but I don't know the, I don't like these songs. I see, I've done it too, you know. I've been rebellious, full of pride. I've done it too, as a Christian. I don't like these songs. And after about the second Sunday, no, it was after the second song on the first Sunday. You know what I noticed? I noticed there's one little white boy in there that was sitting down, and thousands of people around him were standing up. He was the only one sitting down. I don't even know if all the other people wanted to stand up or not. But I do know this. If they didn't, they didn't want to look like fools. And I said, you know what? I don't have a lot of sense. But I just just don't like sticking out like a sore thumb when it comes to something important like worshiping God and i don't want to distract people that is worshiping that's doing that so let me tell you this might liberate some people i started standing up the songs i didn't know that i didn't even like because it was i've never heard them before you know we sang the same eight songs every time all the time i mean I, you, you didn't matter. you didn't need a song book cuz you knew what the words to all the songs. But I I started getting involved in it. And you know what I found out? Nobody had to tell me to raise my hands. Nobody had to tell me to start crying because I my mind was off of me when I sat down in Central Church of God, even in the balcony in Charlotte, and my mind, I noticed everybody around me was crying was just not looking and checking it out but their hands were extended and they were in worship mode and and i realized when i grew and i got to that place that those songs that i used not like the type of music that i used to not like and all that all of that didn't even matter anywhere because the focus got off of the songs the style and type of music It got off of me and what my preference was because I had this country club mentality. You know, church is here to serve and please me. It's what I love. It's not really about God. It's about me. I never really adequately prepared to come into God's house. I prepared to come in and then, you know, I make a list and I gossip or text or talk to somebody about what I didn't like Sunday because I'm here for me. And this changed my whole attitude about God's worship. And when you do this, then you are at a place where your faith, this is the fourth thing we're talking about here, your faith becomes real to you. It's not a form of godliness. It's not just something that you do. But your faith becomes real. And this is what Elijah did. He told them to pour it on and pour it on over and over again. And they did that. They poured it on over again. And then he just got himself ready after the water. And that's what you and I have got to do. We've got to say, God, I've done all these three things. I've even got my worship life right for the first time. I'm not performing. I'm not here to evaluate other people in their worship or lack of work, but I've got it all together now, and now I'm ready to walk on faith. He didn't do this hoping God would consume the sacrifice and respond. His relationship was that tight with God, he knew his God was not a dead God. How many of you know your God's not a dead God? That he would respond by fire. And, folks, that's exactly what he did. Elijah was now ready. He went through the four-step process, and he was now ready. He just sit, and the Bible says he waited for offering time. At the time of offering, then when the appropriate time, that's why David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord because he knew I'd spent all this time, hallelujah, with my altar right at home, with my my preparation, making sure that I protected it my time with God, that my sacrifice in worship is in the right order and that I've been walking on faith, I've been trusting God in areas that other people thought I was a fool for doing it, and now I'm ready to go to church. And at offering time, when he said, it's time for me to pray, he prayed a 63-word prayer, I believe. And that's as far as he got, and the fire failed. And this is what God is wanting to do in your life, in this place, and on that camera. This is what God is desiring to do for the church one more time. But the... The rules have not changed. The steps have not changed. I don't care if it is 2020, and this is an Old Testament passage. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's no respect to person. If he did it for Elijah, he can do it for Opie. If he did it for the children of Israel, he can do it for the church of 2020. God can do it for multitudes. But multitudes, we've got to grow up, and we've got to get out of our comfort zone. We've got to worship God in spirit and in truth. And we've got to worship and let it cost us something. And we've got to be willing to wait and walk by faith and trust God at what He says and let Him do what He wants to do in our life. And the fire will fall. Every Sunday and Wednesday we walk in here at the time of service, the time of offering. Our God may not let us get past an opening prayer or course before He shows up with fire or in your prayer closet at home. But we've got to do this. And we cannot vary, we can't let circumstances get us off of what's going on in our life. I'm going to tell you that in closing today, that we are in, for the longest times it seems like, a survival mode mentality. This is what God is watching and God is seeing the church do this. We're just in revival, uh, survival mode, rather. We, if I can just get by. You know, we can't go to church right now, but if I can just get by. You know, I got my stimulus check, but if I can just get by. I really wanted this, but I, I just want to get by right now. Uh, I, I, I'd just like for the Lord to touch me every night. If I just get by, you know, That's what we're seeing everywhere. And I know a lot of people's circumstances vary and are different. But I want you to understand this right here. We're believers. We're children of the Most High God. And we are not called by God to be in a survival mode mentality. The God that I serve wants me to have a surplus mode mentality. That's what his children are used to. I'm not used to that. Well, you probably, <clears throat> excuse me, are, you don't know it, but you need to get used to it because we are joint heirs with Christ. We belong to God. And I'm going to tell you this, all through the Bible, you look it up for yourself. You know these stories. When Jesus would feed the thousands, what would he do? He would tell them, look. Get the leftovers. One time there was 12 baskets full. He, he never said, well, we almost got, we got 4,999 people fed. We almost had enough. The God I serve has always been a surplus God. He's a surplus. Now, I realize that a lot of preachers would take this and try to put a dollar on it and try to take up a big offering. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in you understanding the God you serve is still alive, and, re- and he wants to give us surplus fire. He wants to give us surplus miracles. He wants to give us surplus wind and rain. And right after all this took place, Elijah sent his man over there, and he said, Go look on the mountain and see what you see. He said, I don't see nothing. He did it seven times, and he said, I just see a rain cloud. It ain't no bigger than a man's hand, his fist. He said, You better tell people to get ready, and they better run because it's about to bust wide open with water from heaven and it did that you know it very well folks and this is what God's doing he's telling us if we will go through the process of his word do what he said to do live the way he said to live then God will give us rain in these last days he will respond by fire because it seems like right now all the false gods that people in Hollywood raise up all the false gods of Washington all the political gods that everybody chases after all the current trends seems to be the gods of this age but I'm telling you the God that I serve outshines them all and he still will respond by fire and the people of God have got to put ourselves in a place where we can experience it once more because God will do it somewhere and you're going to experience it or you're going to witness it somewhere else that's what God said he's going to do And I want you to know that our testimony has got to take over this talk. Coronavirus, all of the causes that are going on in this world, the political things that people want to try to put on the forefront of conversation, how people want to stereotype everybody, how division is the thing that people thrive in, even ministers. I can't stand it. I cannot stand I just saw something the other day and I had to just briefly go by it because it was somebody that's labeled as a as a reverend, as a Christian as a minister but their whole life in the eyes of God is defined by uh, divisiveness they, they devise they try to separate and it just always have division going on and they would tell you oh no that's not what I'm doing brother but that's what you're doing. Brother, see, Jesus brought everybody together at the cross. The Red Cross, I may have said this again. This is what I'm saying before, I pray. This may help you out if you're struggling with all the things that that pertain to racism or how you feel about a certain group of people or anything. It doesn't matter who you are. When the Red Cross, to show you what matters, when the Red Cross has a blood mobile drive, let me ask you, do they have a section for blacks? where they draw blood? Do they have a section for whites, Native American, Hispanics, people from uh, Switzerland or Germany or Asian people? Because we have this in this building pot in America. We've got people from everywhere. They don't have it, and you know they don't. They have it one place, one or two nurses, whoever, drawing the blood, and... The blood is not labeled as white, black, Hispanic, Native American. We can go on and on down the list. It's just A positive, A negative, O positive, B negative, AB. A, a, because when a person needs blood, if it's a white person in the hospital or a black, it doesn't matter. You know what they do? They just go to where they keep blood stored. And if his is A-positive, they go in there and they get a vial or a bag of A-positive blood. Because all of us are kept alive, not by the color of our skin, my friend. All of us are kept alive by blood. Our blood is the same inside of each and every person on the entire planet. Doesn't matter if they're atheist, black, white, anything. It doesn't matter what they are. It's our blood that we have in common. It's our blood. It's not our skin. It's not our feelings or how we think things are or what our opinion of this group or this thing or Hollywood or our opinions about all these special interests. That's not what keeps us alive. It's the blood running through our veins that keeps us alive. This is what we've got to understand. All of the talk that we hear, everything, That's the testimony of the world right now. It's time for the people of God to let the things of God be the new testimony, beginning with your salvation and what God has done in your life and what God is about to do in this life that we're all living and what God's about to do in the people that will surrender to Him. And it may be you. And I want you to close your eyes because I believe starting today that if you would get your priority, priority, not plural, in order. And you would start taking prayer so serious that you actually prepare yourself before you pray. You don't take your cell phone with you unless you're playing some kind of instrumental music while you're in the presence of God. And I believe that if your personal worship at home I've been talking about church today but if your personal worship starts costing you something I believe that you will know that God's able to respond by fire And then it'll be a lot easier for you to walk on faith. Man, I'd never pour water like that. What if God don't answer? Well, see, you're you're not sure of your relationship. When your faith gets to that level, you know God better than most people around you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would be glorified if you are not a believer. The Lord wants to save you right now. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I repent. I give you my life. If you do that, he saves you right now and writes your name in the book of life. And he's your Savior. You need to let us know that. You can comment in the post. Send us an email, info at multitudeschurch.com. But we need to know about it. And I want to tell the rest of you before we go and I want you to look at me every person that's heard what I've said today you'll be judged by what God is pleading with you what you do with the information I have absolutely no control over I've got to live by it for myself and for the sake of this church but I'm committed to it I want you to start today repair the altar and you're about to see what God's going to do I love you and I'll see you Wednesday night unless the Lord returns.